0: It being Pentecost Sunday, the scripture reading for today from the Gospel of John from the 14th chapter speaks of the relationship between Father, Son, and Spirit. Let us listen now for the Word of God. Philip and the disciples were with Jesus, and Jesus was speaking about his departure, as Steve talked about last week, his ascension, his ascension, his leaving. And and Philip said to Jesus, show us the Father, and then that will be enough for us. And Jesus said, don't you know me, Philip, even after I've been with you such a long time? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me? The word I say to you is not just my word. Rather, it is the Father living in me, doing God's work. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe on the evidence of the miracles themselves. I tell you the truth. Anyone who has has faith in me will do what I have been doing. He will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Son may, be, may bring glory to the Father. You may ask for anything in my name, and I will do it. If you love me, you will obey what I have commanded, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another comforter, a counselor to be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. All this I have spoken while I am still with you, but there is a counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom I will send in my name, who will teach you all things, and will remind you of everything that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives, so do not let your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. This is the word of the Lord. So, in a sense, so sort of thinking about our, our group up here of confirmation youth, in a sense, we should all be nuns. Now, don't get nervous. I don't mean the kind of nuns that wear a habit. I'm talking about the N O N E S nuns, you know, the nuns that, when they're asked what religion they uh, belong to or affiliate with, they say, none of the above. It's not that nuns have no faith. It's just that they don't want to affiliate with a particular tradition, a particular style, such as Presbyterian or Catholic or, or maybe even Christian at all. Uh, but they still have some kind of faith. Sometimes I think we get the idea that confirmation is the effort by the church to force religious affiliation on young people. It's our last chance to just sort of pound it into them. Really, it's just the opposite. Just the opposite. Up until now, you have uh, been a child in your family. You have come to church when they have told you to come. You have gone to Sunday school when they have brought you. They, they have told you when we will have a prayer at dinner or when we will not. You have absorbed the faith of your family and of this family, most of you. And in a sense, you, you've been in what James Fowler would call, he wrote a, a book about uh, stages of faith. And you've been living in what he called a literal stage of faith or a conventional stage of faith where what you believe, your values, are largely unexamined as, they, as is appropriate for a child growing up. But when you reach about the age that you are now, we know that that isn't enough. And so Fowler says you enter a stage called the reflective stage. When you begin to understand the meaning of symbols when you start to make connections and ask questions and push deeper, maybe even reject some things. And when you move beyond that, you come to a stage called the conjunctive stage in Fowler's scheme, where you begin to see the coherence of life, how things are connected, how you are connected, how, how we can imagine our lives as a part of something much larger. So confirmation is really about an invitation to this movement of deeper, wider faith. And you are becoming the author of your own faith. Or to put it another way, now, instead of being told who to be and what to think, you are freely choosing more and more who you want to be and where you will go. There is that passage in the Bible that says the Spirit blows where it will, and no one can really say from whence it has come or where it will go. And so we can't control how the Spirit works, but when we confirm you, we're saying... That we believe that the Spirit is in you. That, in other words, God's presence is in you. That God is with you as with us. There's a, there was a letter to the editor in the New York Times a couple of months ago. It was regarding an article called, God is a Question, Not an Answer. And a woman from Cambridge, Massachusetts, wrote this. She said, Many who consider themselves faithful would say that faith was given to them, unbidden and therefore undeniable, even if somewhat unwelcome, unsettling, and even frightening at the onset. But that doesn't necessarily lead to a rigidity of thought or belief. The best description I know of from Hebrews 11 is an embrace of ambiguity, while still expressing firm belief. Quote, Faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. So in confirmation, we acknowledge and celebrate the gift of God's presence with you. And on Pentecost, the gift of God's presence in the church and in the world, in all of us, just as it was promised at our baptism. Some people, there's an old cheer that I heard at football and basketball games. It went like this. We've got spirit. Yes, we do. We've got spirit. How about you? It was a challenge. We've got it. I don't think you do. And that's some way... Sometimes Christians almost act like that toward others, as if we've got something and we control it. We can sort of pull it out like our cell phone, use it when we want to, or put it on mute when we don't want to. That's not, that's not what we really think about the Spirit. The image of the Spirit of God, the presence of God that I'd like to suggest to you is think of us... As a screen porch, and we've got furniture, and we've got potted plants, and lamps, table lamps, and we're this nice screen porch, and then the wind blows through. And what happens? Well, everything gets turned topsy-turvy. The lamps get blown over, the plants get shook up, and the wind just blows right on through out the other side of the screen porch. It doesn't stop with us. The wind blows into us and through us out into the world. In a world where suicide is the third leading cause of death among people your age, we need people who have the presence of God and who are letting that presence blow through them in grace and mercy toward the world. I'd like to invite a few of the kids to come up and share just a few of their words of face statement. We don't have time, unfortunately, to hear all of them or to hear all of any one of them. They were all read this morning at breakfast, and also they're in written form, and you can have access to those as well. But you're going to hear just a few excerpts that are representative of the group, and so first I invite... Emily call to come forward
1: our world is too complex to be made by chance H2O is made up of hydrogen and oxygen when in the right atomic structure those two elements create water but in any other circumstance they create fire how is that done by chance Everything serves a purpose, from us to the plankton floating in the sea, creating most of the oxygen that we breathe. Without these minuscule creatures, we wouldn't be able to live. I'm a little speck on this beautiful planet, and yet he loves and protects me. That's an amazing feeling, isn't it? I know the church will be there with me, and that I have the opportunity to be there for someone else. The beauty of the journey is being with a family of faith that embraces you and your uncertainties and questions. My friend Ben is a Catholic and only knew about the Catholic ways of worship. I brought him to our youth group because his parish did not have a strong youth group. It was new to him, but I showed him how other religions can teach you different paths to the same God. I also went to Mass with him and his family, which gave me a similar experience. Confirmation has also helped me understand the meaning and teachings of the Bible. When I was younger, I always believed that all of the teachings in the Bible were literally true. As I progress in my faith, I still believe they are important and the messages are true, but the stories may be used as a metaphor for the teachings. Some lessons and stories just help us interpret something that may be hard to understand.
0: That was Mason Doherty, and now Danny Day.
1: Growing up, my family didn't have cable TV so the only channels we had were PBS Kids and the Church Channel, so naturally, that was what I grew up watching. My family never went to church, so the main insight to God that I got was through puppets and dancing children on shows like Colby's Clubhouse and Miss Charity Signer. As I grew older, my grandmother started coming to my house once a week to read the Bible with me. This made my interest in church grow because my grandmother made the stories in the Bible very interesting to read. So around the age of 11, I asked my mom if we could start going to church. My mom said yes, and we started trying out different churches. We finally settled on Riverside, which has definitely been my favorite church of all of them. Since I started going to church, I feel a lot happier knowing that God is always with me and that he is always there for me to talk to. I love our church because we do a lot to welcome all different kinds of people to our community of faith.
0: Alice Creed.
1: When my faith is strong, I have this feeling of wholeness, almost like I am complete. Ever since I can remember, I've been a part of the church. When I was younger, I never questioned God. Sometimes I wish I could go back to that time when I never for a second doubted God. I've had lots of doubts, but I've overcome them, and that has made my faith so much stronger. During this year, I've learned more in depth about the Bible and its stories and what happens when we die. I learned that Jesus helped the people at the bottom of society— and accepted everyone. That is how I want to live my life, accepting everyone even if it's hard.
0: This is Alexis Geras.
2: As many of you know, I have faced a few challenges in my life. I was diagnosed with a brain tumor at a young age. I've had several surgeries and chemotherapy treatments. They were difficult times in my life, but these challenges brought me closer to God because it taught me to trust in him. When I was first diagnosed, I was only four years old, not old enough to understand my diagnosis. My family has always relied on faith by praying in hard times and thanking God for always watching over us. Next to my bed, each time I had a surgery, was a plaque that said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I had a total of eight surgeries between the ages of 4 and 11, and my parents made sure this plaque was always next to my bed. Over the years, I began to understand what this quote meant. The experiences in my life have taught me to rely on my faith, given me strength to deal with my cancer, find purpose in my life, and make time for the things I value most. I hope to give support to other members in the church and community and treat others the way God would want me to treat them.
3: asked me to consider speaking about my experience as a youth minister. The first words that came to mind were comical, not what I expected, and a true honor. Hearing our eighth graders share their statements of faith today has been a true honor, and it takes a lot of courage to stand up and share about your faith. I get up here and they all start leaving. Um, No, they're, they're going to be ushers. I am wildly honored to spend time with these kids and to be a part of their lives, Um, but they also challenge me in many ways. Uh, My sleep patterns, my thumbs as I try to keep up with their texting, um, but mostly with their inherent inquisitiveness, because they do seem to have unending energy on the last night of a youth conference, but they also have big, scary questions that need a space, a safe space, to be asked. And so that kid, with the heart-wrenching and beautiful question, in their very next breath, will disengage, unlock their phone, respond in a group text or watch a Snapchat they've just received, and then, after that, perhaps re-engage. Perplexing. It's our culture. This is what we are immersed in. That is what we are up against. And I'm not here to debate what, how to be countercultural or how to provoke change, but I want to talk to you about what it's like right now, what I see in these kids and these kids everywhere out here. And it's everything in real time. Anything you want to know is seconds away. They rely on technology to tell them things that older generations would have had to seek out in a book or learn from a teacher or a doctor. They consume, sell, advertise, and self-diagnose in a way we have never seen before. They're immersed in this world of pinning and snapping, gathering likes from hashtags, while also making sure they're getting good grades and becoming successful people. Now, you may not understand their need to Netflix and chill, and that's okay. Because here's what else I know about our youth. They are paying attention. Sometimes it is just to their phones, yes. But they're also paying attention to you and me. Whether they know it or not, they're looking for role models, and they remember the attention that you pay them and how you make them feel. They know when you're not being authentic And they're not afraid to call you out on it. In a day and age of cyberbullying and FOMO, fear of missing out, our kids need good people in their lives. People who care and are there. People who are here for them. People who teach our kids about the love of Christ. And even more importantly, show the love of Christ. When we're stuck in traffic or get cut off, they see how we react. And when we have to make a hard decision amidst a gray situation, they're they're watching. When we pick up our phone, when the conversation lulls, they see that, and they learn from that. Now, I am hardly blameless in these things. I do these things all the time, too. But I've learned that they pick up on them. Last summer at at Montreat Youth Conference, our van was clipped in the parking lot by another van. We had already gone inside for keynote, and we're sitting there ready for the day. And in a very embarrassing, quiet moment, um, a very embarrassing announcement was made that uh, the owner of the Florida Tag Transit van, if you could please make your way to the back. And of course, you know, you have a 1,000 kids there, so they're all... Oh, you know, want to know what happens. So one song in, I slink out. All my kids waiting for me to come back to see what happened to our van. I find out it was clipped, you know, no one was hurt, all these things. So I I come back, and it's in the middle of Keynote. Is our van okay? What happened? Did you get a parking ticket? (laughs) Is anyone hurt? Can we even drive the van? Whose church was it? Are they in my small group? All of these questions. (laughs) Who's going to pay for it? How dare they hit our van? And I remember having one of those very clear moments where I knew I had to decide how to respond. I could certainly affirm all of their feelings they had just expressed, but the affirmation would have most likely emotionally escalated our situation. And by affirming their range of emotional reactions— would I really be loving the people who felt so terrible that they had clipped our van? So in that moment, I decided my responses had to bring had to bring peace and diffuse because we're also in the middle of keynote people. After all, no one was hurt, it had been an accident, and nothing would be fixed or remedied by us continuing to speculate about it. The peace of Christ was a choice in that moment, but was so tangible um, in that place. And our youth went on to uh, meet some of the people in that church, and it, we had a great time, and we really enjoyed meeting them. Of course, let me tell you, I have not always handled these kinds of situations in the same manner. So at my and your own risk, feel free to ask the kids about any my kinds of situations Installing, situa- installing insulation in August in New Orleans, or my first time kayaking down a river on Outdoor Challenge, or perhaps the mission trip lice incident, or any detour I have ever taken to get to a cookout restaurant while on a youth trip. In this church family, we learn a lot about each other. And while that can be extremely vulnerable and scary, It also gives us a chance to love each other better as we continue to seek God together. Our choices affect much more than just ourselves. Our kids are going to have many role models, and some of them will be celebrities and sports stars, but many of their role models sit right here in this sanctuary today. And the difference between you and those celebrities and sports stars is this. You are here. You keep showing up. You teach them and you love them.